Hello, and welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm Robin Buller, your host. Today we will be talking to Dr. Amos Goldberg about his new book, Trauma in the First Person, Diary Writing During the Holocaust. Amos, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. It's a great pleasure. It's wonderful to have you. Uh, Before we start talking about the book itself, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Yeah, um, I was born in Israel, actually in Jerusalem, almost never left uh, Jerusalem just for, you know, academic reasons. Uh, When I was when I was a child, actually, I was uh, two years in Canada with my parents. But except for that, I I lived all my life in Jerusalem. Um, My parents were were born also in Israel or in Palestine before Israel was established. And my grandparents, three of them came from Europe, from various parts of Europe. Uh, and one was born here, actually, a few generations back, was born in Pal- were all born in Palestine. Um, I studied at the Hebrew University and also did my doctorate at the Hebrew University, and I am working now in the Hebrew University. Uh, I did my postdoc at, uh, with, um, I mean, I have, I have contacts with many, many scholars, but I think the one... The one one of the scholars that um, influenced me very much, and whom, with whom I did my postdoc, is a professor Dominique Lacapra, who worked at the time in Cornell, and I, I I did my postdoc in Cornell University. So that was the only time I had a long travel out of Israel, and except for, you know small academic short academic visits, uh, uh, you know. Always. Um, now, I, I this is my um, this is my profession. I, I I I'm a researcher. I'm a historian, a kind of a cultural historian of the Holocaust and its memory. And I think uh, this is uh, this is where the book stems from. Great. So so yeah. So tell us how you tell us how you came to write trauma in the first person. How you came to write this book. Uh, actually, in a way, it came out of anger, anger or, or a feeling of anger that, that I mean, the story, people might know that Holocaust, the Holocaust as an event, as an historical event, is probably the most researched event, uh, perhaps even in history. There's so much research on it. And but I felt that especially the research that the historical writings on the issue, especially on the Jewish perspective, on the on the Jewish side, the history of the Jews during that time, not about the perpetrators or about the Nazis, about Nazism. I mean, not about the doers, but about in this case the victims or or the the Jews is lacking lacks something fundamental which actually distorts fundamentally the historical picture or our historical image of of what was it like to be um, a Jew or other victim in during the Nazi era and it missed it somehow represented the Jews or again I'm doing Jewish history uh, I work and now I'm now the chair of the history department in my university. Uh, um, so I deal with the Jews, but I think it's it's relevant to other victim groups. 
I felt that there's a huge gap between the sources and the way they are portrayed or pre- represented in historical writing. Whereas the, in the, when you read the, the sources, I mean, the diaries or the letters or the texts that the Jews wrote during the Holocaust itself, not afterwards, during the time itself, under the Nazi persecution and, and, and afterwards execution, when you hear that, when you, you read that, you, what, what comes out is really a feeling of impotence and powerlessness and, and anger and trauma. And when you read then the historiography, you, you, or what used to be the historiography, mostly in the 80s and the 90s, you get a different sense of what it was to be a Jew. Like you, you read about the organizations and you read about heroism or, or about uh, survival or, or, or about, um, um, uh, you know, cultural events and religious events and, and, and people who are uh, sanctifying life and, 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 and solidarity and so on and so forth. And when you read the actual text, you see something is really shattered fundamentally. And I wanted, I was looking for a method to portray this to, to, to historiography, to put, to insert into the historiographical picture what is so dominant in the texts themselves, and that is trauma and powerlessness. And this is how I came to write the book. And, and, and I focused on, on really diaries that were written only during the time. Only uh, diaries or diaries is, is, is a very general name. I'm not strict about it. Also memoirs that were written during the war under the, the n- 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 Nazi occupation and Nazi persecution and execution. So during that time, not afterwards, once the 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 the, 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 the war was over, uh, uh, and and there you see you really get get a different, a really different picture or a different image of what was it like to be under such huge pressure and persecu- persecution, um, and I, I found the diaries which are very authentic and very um, sincere, um, and, and very personal. In most of the times, a very, very um, excellent sources to portray this to to and to write about them, and, and and they're also and they're all very interesting. They always, in a way, um, um, deautomatize your image or on your premises about the about the era, about the event, about the happenings, because they always they are very very personal in in many ways. Uh, so in, I, I felt the picture, the historical and the public and, and image is very much distorted, very much beautified, I would say glorified sometimes. And I felt that I must find a way to show how shattering and traumatic and, and what are the effects of those on the personality, on people, on communities, and this is why I, I use the, the 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 diaries and the texts that were written contemporarily during the time. And this is where I mean this anger, this that about. Some, I mean, I mean sometimes I even said to myself, and it's an exaggeration because historiography really did. I mean, 
huge successes in, in representing and reconstructing Jewish life during that time in Germany, in Hungary, in, in Poland, in everywhere, wherever the Nazis were or their collaborators. But I, I sometimes felt that they are actually lying. And I, I'm, I, I know it's a, it's a harsh word and, and, I exa- and it's exaggerated, but they're lying about the event. They're trying to beautify it in, in ways. They're trying to glorify it, trying to to even sanitize in, in a way the the event and the people that that actually were victims of, of huge trauma and huge pressure and huge uh, persecution. So knowing that, what we're going to delve you know more deeply into the primary argument of the book, but could you give us a little bit of an overview then of of what the book's focus and main arguments are? Yeah. So, uh, but basically, uh, um, the the book is 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 divided to three parts. I mean, there's introduction and a summary, but in in, in, in basically three. But the first one is, uh, I would say, methodological and analytic, uh, or, or methodological and theoretical, in a way that I, with the help of reading many diaries, I try to um, make. To, to build or to establish the theoretical infrastructure and methodological infrastructure to claim, to make my points. And um, the historiographical, the theoretical, the methodological, uh, and, 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 and I use various disciplines, and maybe we can talk about that later, use various disciplines. It's a very interdisciplinary work of, of uh, research um, in order to 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 establish a way to read uh, thoroughly and to take seriously those diaries and those texts, the second one, the second part, um, is um, is uh, focuses on. And then I have, I mean, in in this section, I. I, I, I read many di- I mean I use many diaries and 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 as I said many theoretical and historiographical uh, context, uh, context and, and 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 research but the second one focuses on one big diary of Victor Klemperer where I read it on, on focus on the issue of time and uh, the perception of time the uh, um, self perception of time by Victor Klemperer and the last one, the last section, I focus on another very extensive and great diary of Chaim Kaplan from Warsaw. Klemper was from Germany in Dresden, and Kaplan was from Warsaw and, and the Warsaw Ghetto. So, and now, my, what I'm trying to say now, I, I, how do you, how do you evaluate or how do you assess someone's identity? As I, because I'm, I'm focusing, I'm, I'm. I'm, I'm focusing on the issue of identity and to see on the personal identity. It's a history of the subjectivity, I would say. It's a it's a history of the subjectivity during the Holocaust. So how can you assess what is subjectivity or what is the self or what is auto? I mean, uh, uh, or self identity? And I use here the whole theoretical field of life stories or life narratives. Life narratives mean that. We construct our identity through narrating it. So, which means that there is a very close relationship between language and narrative and our identity. We tell we we, we always actually 
as individuals and as collectives or groups, we always tell ourselves stories in order to understand ourselves, in order to um, excuse ourselves, in order to uh, explain ourselves to ourselves and to others, in order to justify ourselves, in order to construct our relationship with other individuals or group in order or in some in order to create or construct our identity. So I take this concept of life narrative or life story, which that these diaries or these autobiographical texts are because people always write in diaries or a combination of memoirs or some kind of generic combination between this and between the two genres or sometimes even letters or, or, or texts that they write in first person. But they are all in first person. So they are all kind of autobiographical writings that in one way or another, whether they focus on the self or whether they focus on, on more on the historical events, they are written in first person and as such they are autobiographical. And they have some kind of... Um, story to tell us about the self and about the, the, the writer in his context, in his historical context, which is, you know, very chaotic and very dangerous. So I take this, um, uh, this concept of life narrative, which, as I say, is a concept of the way we, con a constructive uh, concept, the way we construct our identity and our relationship um, we do it through these narratives. And on the other hand, I take the concept of trauma, which is a shattering, which is a destructive element, a destructive concept that it destructs our identity, it destructs our sense of continuity, it destructs or even annihilates at times our relationship with others sometimes and with ourselves. It is a very, as I said, destructive concept. So I see in those texts a kind of, a, I would say, a combination or, or, or a rival between those two elements, the destructive and the constructive one. And this is what I explore in order to understand the subjectivity or the identity of the persons that they write, the persons they, uh, the, per the people write uh, 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 those diaries and, 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 and what I see is I think I also developed a, a kind of a method a theoretical model of how to read diaries vis-a-vis -vis those two concepts which I think can give us a good balance of what does it mean to write in such traumatic uh, events and and what I saw is that actually the fundamental concept that construct our identity like coherence like continuity in time like uh, autonomous self like selfhood itself they actually come apart they, they are deconstructed and and sometimes even radically under the huge pressure the historical pressure that history puts on them now so in, in, in very contrary to the historical image or the even popular already that already Primo Levi uh, uh, criticized that, you know, the victims always succeed in, in maintaining their collective and, 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 and individual identity and dignity and, 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 
And self, I see that it really comes apart sometimes completely decon- is deconstructed. And, uh, you know, time falls apart, the law falls apart, the voice falls apart. The, uh, sometimes the, 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 the victim even imitates or, or you know, in order to, uh, to, to, to find, you know, imitates or in order to, you know, hold into some kind of identity, a firm and a strong identity tends to uh, imitate or even adopt the, the victimizers, the Nazi identity or elements of it, sometimes very unconsciously. So as much as it sounds paradoxical or, 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 or even uh, hard to digest, uh, you, you see this in it, you see these elements in some of the diaries. So this is my basic argument, or this is the basic argument of the book. Great. And so as you've mentioned, I mean, diaries are so, you know, so present in histories of the Holocaust and in public understanding of the Holocaust experience. So you've talked a little bit about how you deal with diaries differently and why you look at them. Um, But in your book, you also talk about you know, why individuals wrote diaries, what makes diaries sort of special. Could you expand on that? Yeah. Okay. I, actually, it's a very interesting historical and cultural phenomenon because first of all, of, of all you see that during World War II, diary writing was very, very popular on all sides of the divide. It was, I mean, the Germans, the Nazis, in a way, encouraged people to write diaries during the war, during the Nazi era, and especially during the war. I mean, they also wanted to somehow, I would say, control or discipline it, and they gave very strict directions or instructions how these diaries should be written. But, you know, people wrote diaries. People, ordinary Germans or soldiers or even... I would say criminals wrote diaries on the German side, but also on all sides of the divide. As I said, the, I mean, we have very many French, not not necessarily Jewish, but French, British, and 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 Czech, and I mean Polish, of course. People wrote during this huge turmoil and huge historical crisis. Many people wrote diaries all over Europe. You know, also. You know, a student of mine wrote me a, a, a seminar where, where he showed that in certain units in the American army, they encouraged the soldiers to write diaries. Whilst the Soviet, Soviet army forbid, uh, forbidden this, uh, I mean, they, they, any writing of diaries, the American army, at least in some of its units, um encourage the soldiers to write diaries so we see it is a it's a it's a it's, a, it's a, i would say it's a global phenomenon at that time at least a european a western a western phenomena as i said from all sides of the divide of the of, of the allies and the axis and, and the victims and the victimizers everybody i mean not everybody but it's a very common phenomenon all over europe and america or all over the, the the war, the participants of the war and the and the in the annihilation and the persecution and the, and and in the, and the, and the terror, people write diaries because I think diaries are um, 
Um, I, I would add an, another thing that you find it also in a way in the First World War. Already in the First World War, you see many people, many soldiers, many people back at the, not in the front, back at the, at the, at the homes write diaries. Women are writing diaries. Soldiers are writing diaries. You have, you have quite a lot of diaries from the Armenian, Armenian victims in the, in, in the First World War, from the Armenian genocide write diaries. Actually, you can find that, there, I mean, not always people write diaries in times of trauma and turmoil and, and chaos, but, but it is, in a way, connected many times. You, you can even see, you can think of Anes Nin, uh, the, the French uh, author and, and, and writer, who, in a way, writes a diary as a response, even a conscious response to the sexual harassment and the sexual traumas and that that she had undergone so there's a kind of um I, I won't say it's a uh, n- essential connection but there is, it is there is a connection between a uh, trauma and 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 diary writing and and I think the first and foremost uh, on a personal level or I would say that at it, it, it's 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 um it's a kind of a, it's the first you know when when everything is so as I said, chaotic and, 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 and things fall apart and your identity and the whole world and whatever, there's no continuity. And, you, you, you know, the, the, you lose, actually you lose control of your world. Even if you're a soldier, even if you, I mean, you, you, you're not as impotent as a, as a victim in, in a concentration camp or in a ghetto or in a, I don't know, a Judenhaus in, in Germany. But you, are, you know, the, the events are so huge and so sweeping and, you know, the historical forces are so forceful and powerful that people have to somehow cope with it. And I think the genre that, in, I mean, gives them, I mean, the, the genre that is so mo- most appropriate for such first, you know, uh, for, for such a, a, a um, uh, working through these e- events in such a, a process or or putting you know narrating them in some way in a very initial way is the diary because the diary you write you know an entry per day sometimes twice a day but it's not long and it can you know but you you, you still have to narrate the happenings of that day or the days before and you 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 know you you you, you put them into some kind of order but on the other hand it's not coherent. You, it can, it, it really is very um, tolerant to contradictions, to self-contradictions, to turmoil, to paradoxes, to incoherence, to um, various changes in the mood, and and and, and it, you don't have to be very accurate. It's a very initial stage of writing. Sometimes people take their diaries and afterwards make out of it a coherent memoir or autobiography. But the diary allows people to express themselves and to gain some control, at least in the level on the level of writing, during times of such huge chaos. And so um, I think this is the first thing. The, many times Jews, and not only Jews, also feel that they are going through huge events and they want to document it. They really want to. They think. They think about the future. I, I perhaps we will touch 
I mean, this, I think, is not only, I mean, it has an historical uh, importance and value, but it also has a, some kind of a personal value when you document for the future. It changes the whole frame of time for you that allows you to, to continue writing and, and, to, and to somehow, you know, maintain a kind of self. Perhaps we will talk about this later. But the impulse of documentation uh, for the future, which is, you know, uh, I think is in a way also inherent to at least modern Jewish a European heritage and, 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 and uh, tradition, not a religious one, but uh, in East Europe, undoubtedly in East Europe, but also uh, in other parts of Europe, uh, Jews had a very strong sense of uh, impulse and, and obligation to record even before the war and to, uh, and to document their lives, their collective individual lives. And uh, you see just increasing by far during the war. And uh, I think I would say that the two, I mean, sometimes it's very interesting. That the, the, the writers are very self-conscious of why they're writing and they, 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 especially when they either change the tone and the, and the character of their diary, even if they wrote before, and also if they just start to write the diary and they explain why. So some say it's a kind of a confession of bad things they did and, and or, you know, in, in, in some kind of Augustinian, Augustinian uh, tradition of confession or... And, so you know the two huge, you two the two two I would say pillars of modern autobiography are confessions, Augustinus and uh, Saint Augustinus. This you know autobiography is called confessions, and Rousseau's autobiography, modern autobiography, is called confessions. And then they, in a way, continue this tradition of confession, and they say like the guy Tzalek Parachodnik from uh, Otvotsk, who actually brought his, I mean, he was also a policeman, a Jewish policeman, and as such, he did real problematic, uh, moral, eth ethically problematic things. He brought his fellow Jews. He didn't, he says he didn't, but perhaps he did, He to the, to the trains, to the deportations, and he also, uh, you know, the policemen, the Jewish policemen were very problematic in many cases, sometimes not, sometimes they were very helpful to the community, but many times they were very much hated. And, and he, he felt he did things, you know, bad things. And especially that he actually with his own hands brought, because he brought his wife and his daughter, which he really loved, and to the train station in Otvotsk in order to be deported to Treblinka. He miscalculated the, the situation. He didn't understand and he actually brought them, so he, with his own hands, brought them to death. And he knows that, and he feels you know, awfully guilty about that and about his role as a policeman. And so he starts with, actually, it's a confession. It's a, it's a confession. This, and he also says it's a kind of a substitute for my daughter. And it's a, I want to write the glory of my wife. So you see all kind of, um, all kind of motivations that 
draw people to write uh, their diaries sometimes retroactively about what happened and sometimes as the time goes on and they write daily and there are all kinds of motivations but I think we can distinguish between two that are very much interconnected one very personal and intimate motivations personal I would say psychological or psychoanalytical motivations in a way and other historical and documentary documentary document motivation that connected to related more to documentation uh, but we what is really fascinating that we, we see that Jews from all sects of life and from all classes and from all ages and even from all religious backgrounds uh, and in almost all situations and from both genders, write extensively all kinds of diaries. Now, I'm not the first one to write about diaries. There are many others who did this. Patterson uh, was, I think, uh, one of the first one, and Alexandra Garbarini wrote a fascinating book about it, and Jacek Leoczek in Poland wrote about diaries, and uh, there's some you know, compilations of di- uh, excerpts from diaries. Uh, like, uh, so I'm not the first one to write about diaries. And all sense. Everybody, I mean, all all scholars who dealt with it or used it in their historical analysis, all felt that it is, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's a very dominant phenomenon, cultural phenomenon. And you see, even even you know, even like very orthodox Jews that did not tend to write autobiographical writing before the war because of you know. Various, they always felt part of a community rather than a individual selves. I, I would to simplify and, and, and to, to be very, uh, you know, it's a great simplification. But this is a 10. You, you don't find many autobiographical writings. And during the war, you find that you, you see them also striding, starting to write autobi- in, in first person. Uh, so you, you find in very, you know, in the most extreme. Uh, Situations like the Nonda Commando, where the people who, the Jews uh, were picked by the Nazis to take care of the actual annihilation process in, in the various extermination camps, some of them wrote diaries. In Auschwitz, we have not, you know, not real diaries, but kind of autobiographical texts that those Nonda Commando people wrote and hid in the ground and were found afterwards. So you see, you know, it's a prevailing phenomenon, fascinating phenomenon. Um, uh, so in, in very different from what people, you, you, know, you know, it was very popular in the 90s and even in the beginning of the 2000s to, to talk about the silence which prevails the catastrophe. There's no silence. I mean, it's the most documented genocide, I think, that ever happened. From the perspective of perspective of the annihilators, from the uh, or the doers, or the but undoubtedly also from the uh, from the victims' perspective, from the Jewish perspective, Jews wrote. I mean, as I said, extensively diary, and, and I think the most prevailing genre is the 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 diary, autobi- or, or, or other kinds of autobiographical form. And so, how do you um, approach these diaries? You've mentioned already that your approach is very interdisciplinary and that really comes out in the book. Um, and so how does that inform your analysis, but also, you know, what are your theoretical and methodological processes? 
Yeah, it's a very inter. I mean, I I I I think I write. I'm broadly I'm writing within the discipline of history, but it's not a typical historical, you know, depiction of Jews during the Holocaust. It's a very interdisciplinary uh, work uh, because because as I said, history is very much interested in the in the identity of the individual and collectives, but it doesn't have the methodological tools to follow the deconstruction and the falling apart of identity. It usually work, you know, it has to much to say about what there is, about the identity, but not about powerlessness, about the, the, the lack of, of power, the, the falling apart or the destruction of identity. So I had to look for some kind of a framework to 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 and uh, to to deal with this, which, as I said, that's I, I I think that is the major cultural, historical, psychological, sociological phenomenon during the Holocaust. The this destruction, inner destruction, not only external destruction, or not physical destruction, but inner destruction, and the 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 field that. Some would even say emerged from the um, the 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 impulse to investigate precisely those elements in the human psyche and the human life is psychoanalysis, and it has the capacity and the tools to ask precisely about those issues. And to and in, invented the concepts to analyze and conceptualize such extreme uh, situations. From Freud and Lacan to contemporaries, it's one of the cores of psychoanalytic investigation. So what I did, of course, is not psychoanalyze my writers. Uh, well, I'm not a psychoanalyst and I'm not a therapist, of course. So I don't, but I took those concepts in order to read their diaries and to see the discrepancies, how do you say this, discrepancies between, yeah, between, between various parts and the, the, the voids and, 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 um, uh, 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 and you know, the, our psyche and our self and our identity is always a kind of mediation between various parts and contradictions, and we try to somehow hold them together, or they have they, they can negotiate between themselves. And what the psychoanalytic, uh, uh, what the, the, the psychoanalytic uh, uh, conceptualization could tell us how these start to fall apart, how the gaps between the various parts of the psyche or the identity or the self or very uh, 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 grow so huge that they actually cease to communicate between themselves. And, and so psychoanalysis gives us a, you know, a history of dealing with these issues. And now I also use, um, um, a, I take from literary, uh, literary theory that adopted much of the psychoanalytics theory, because as I said, I I assume that identity is constructed through narrative. And literary theory can teach us how to read narratives. So if you want to read narrative 
uh, thoroughly and, and, you know, and, and take the words and the narrative and the construction seriously in order to understand what does it mean to be an I, a self, what happens to the self and to its interactions with other selves and in uh, and, 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 uh, the society in such harsh times, I think the two most, um, the two most uh, relevant fields are psychoanalytic theory and, and literary theory, narrative theory. And I combine those two in order to claim something historical about history and say that, as I said, contrary to the historians that didn't see the essential part of the events, which is powerlessness and its huge impacts on society and on the individual, these methodologies or these fields of knowledge enable me to focus on that and, and, and to ask actually the question that already Primo Levi asked very soon after the war, already 1947, is this is a man? What, what, what is, what is a, or, or how Friedlander once asked it, what is the nature of human nature as we can see it, uh, as we, uh, we can see it during that time? And I think uh, that combining those two fields with history and inserting your own um, claim into the historiographical debates and into the historiographical tradition of writing about Jews during the Holocaust, I think this combination can give us something new. And I, I hope I, I succeed. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, you explain you know, this sort of complex theory in a very digestible way. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about how you apply that theory to, to diaries. Um, as you mentioned, the second and third parts of your book focus on the diaries of first Victor Klemperer, who's very well known as a diarist, and the diary of Heim Kaplan. Why did you select these two individuals? And could you maybe tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, as I said, the, 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 the first part... Uh, also uh, relates and deals with the many other diaries, and during and, and also in the discussion of these two major diaries, uh, I, I mean, contextualize always what they say and what or my claims and assertions about them uh, with other diaries. So it's not only a book about two diaries; it's a book about I. I, I mean, those are two test cases that I found very. Uh, helpful, but it's about. I think I make general, more general assertions or interventions or, or claims about diary writing as a historical and cultural phenomenon. Now, uh, so th this is one thing I want to say before I, I say something about the two diaries I wrote. I, 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 I two diaries, see what a Freudian slip. The two diaries I read in the book, yeah, I mean, I didn't write them, but identify with these people very much. Um, uh, one of the critiques that I received, and I think it's a justified one, that there are two males. I mean, I didn't put, I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't take into consideration uh, sufficiently gender issues, and this is, uh, I think, a weakness of this book. And um, so the two of them are. I mean, I do relate, as I said, in other parts and also in these parts to women's diaries, um, which we have many, much, many of them in, from that, from, from the, that period. But um, uh, I picked, I chose those two. 
Now, um, I, I chose. I mean, of course, there's something very random in uh, random in, 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 in you know almost arbitrary in choosing them, but not completely, because they t- both of them were really excellent writers, very conscious of themselves, and uh, and they write. And, and they are obsessive about the writing. So the, you have a very dense and intensive writing of both in both of them. Uh, both of them wrote diaries before the war, so they continued into the war. And the character and the, actually oh, the, the, the nature of the diary changed fundamentally, and they are conscious and very much, much aware of this. So th- this is very interesting to see what changes in, in the diary. And they are very um, uh, now also two of them, both of them are very conscious or and 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 of the issue of language. They're very conscious of the issue of language. Klemper writes in German, and he and and he like he adores the German language. Uh, his intellectual, um, I would say. Uh, intellectual, uh, the intellectual tradition in which he writes and also investigates, because he was a professor of Roman literature, and um, uh, is the Fölker Psychologie, which puts huge emphasis on and importance on and significance on the issue of language. And Chaim Kaplan, who writes in Hebrew, is you know. He he's a freak. He's a he, he's he he loves Hebrew. He 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 writes before the war in Hebrew. He 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 writes in Warsaw, but he writes in Hebrew. And also, he's a he establishes a, a, a primary school that teaches Hebrew in Hebrew and teaches the other classes also in Hebrew. He he so the and, and his Hebrew is I mean is fabulous. It all layers of the language from and. And so, so they both put very much emphasis on issue of language, but there are also differences between them. Uh, and, and they wrote extensively, almost every day, and sometimes twice or three times a day. Now they also come to represent, if not, I would say represent is a too, too, I would say binding word or too obligational, but they. They come from very different backgrounds that, in a way, represent or, or, or symbolize uh, much of European Jews during that, the, the, the middle of the 20th century. One comes from, from Germany, very westernized. His whole project or his life project, his life narrative, is to reach and... and uh, 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 accomplish being a German, a real German. This is why he converts also. He wants to be German. He wants to obtain this Germanness, which is, you know, I would say his object of desire. He wants to be, and, and then comes the the Nazi, come the Nazis and they say, you know, you're not German, you're Jewish, you're something else. And he said, no, I'm, I'm German. And this, and this um, tension, which is in a way... Mm, Typical to many, not only German, but European Jews, especially West European Jews, who really felt part of the societies, the culture, the 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 in Europe, and all of a sudden they were expelled, not only physically but also culturally from 
and they they were re-identified by someone else as non-Europeans, as non-Germans, as non uh, and and as Jews, which are you know doomed to be annihilated or persecuted and then annihilated. So this is one thing. But on the other hand, you see the Chaim Kapan, who is in a way a typical. Um, muscle, enlightened uh, uh, Jew, Jew intellig- from the you know uh, uh, intelligentsia of, of East Europe. Now he writes in Hebrew, but you know very with a very deep Jewish identity and consciousness and Zionist. Klemper hate, hated Zionism. You know, even during the time of during his diaries, he writes Zionism is almost is, is as bad as Nazism. You know, he writes it all along his diary. Um, uh, Chaim Kaplan, on the other hand, is a you know he's a you know very deeply conscious Zionist. He also tried to immigrate to Palestine in 1935, or visited for to check and came back. It didn't work out, so he went back to to Warsaw. So in a way, they share something, and they also very different from each other, very very different. And they, I think, if they would have met, they would have despised each other um, for each one of what he, for his identity. And uh, but they, in a way, somehow represent the two two poles or the two yes of 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 jewish the continuity of jewish identity between the two world wars and the the, the war uh, and the holocaust itself uh, so i found uh, you know very they very, very you know those texts very useful and very helpful to work with especially that they're so rich and so vivid and you know you you, you just read them you can't you you know you you, you can miss a word uh, so uh yeah. So I mean, they 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 give us a. I mean, you get the experience. I mean, they manage to portray and to somehow to make the experience present on the pages they are writing in in a very on a multi you know multi level way and multifaceted. Way. I mean, it's so rich and so diverse and both of them, and you get a sense of not only what they feel but people around them, how they perceive and how they react or interact. or So it, those are, I mean, fascinating and, 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 and excellent um, diaries. And I think through them you can uh, see something which, you know, which is more than them about writing diaries. It's not about only about them. It's also about them. It is about them. It's always very concrete and very individual and very specific, but it also says something about the phenomena of autobiographical writings during such chaotic and traumatic. Yes, and the richness that you describe really, I think, really comes through in your book. I like your description of them as two poles. I think that's very uh, apt. Let's talk about one of those poles. So let's start with Klemperer. Um, which is the order that you go in. How does Klemperer's diary fit into your argument? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try to be brief on this because, uh, I mean, I think uh, it's... Um, I, 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 Klemperer is obsessed with time. I mean, most people are... I mean, we as, as, as human beings, we are uh, uh, we, we, we inherently in our... 
awareness and our consciousness in our identity is the concept of time, the issue of time. We're, you know, creatures that are related to time, to temporality. Well, we, there is no other way to construct our identity outside of time because what is identity? It's first of and foremost the continuity of the self over time. What makes me, you, anybody else what he is or what she is, what connects what we were 20 or 30 years ago and what we are now, it's our identity that somehow as I, connects between various parts or various fav- phases of our life. And, and we always have, like we always hold, as Ricoeur said, three dimensions of time in our in our in our, in, in our in our identity or in our consciousness we are living in the present we always remember what happened in the past which is connected to us and we always have some kind of expectation or or, or hope for what's coming uh, so we always have a um, three-dimensional uh, temporality in our identity I mean our identity is constructed through a, some kind of three dimensions of the past present and and, and 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 future and you see in his diaries that the I would say the mm, the intimate and structural um Connections between or, or, or between those three dimensions of time, or the authentic sense of continuity and of of and of temporality, is damaged and is at times even completely deconst- is deconstructed. And if I can give, I, I will give two two. Um, Two examples. One from 1937. Klemperer reads on the wall the Der Sturme on, I mean, on the, 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 the you know public uh, public boards. There were the pillars that that uh, the Nazis used to stick the uh, Der Sturme, and so people on the street can can read. So there was the public, and he, he walks on the street, and he sees that um, in, in in Dresden, the Sturmer says that on swimming pools, Jews are not allowed uh, entry anymore, and now we are on our own. We are on our own. We're uh, unter uns. We are on our own. And then comes to he he recalls an episode from his childhood, where he really, you know, very, uh, he makes every effort to stress that it was not an anti-Semitic event, what he is writing, episode that he is writing about. He didn't feel any anti-Semitism in, in his childhood. But in his classroom, in Yom Kippur, in the high holidays, that day he wasn't in class. I mean, all the Jews were not in class on that day because they it, it's the most holy uh, day in the Jewish calendar. And then when they came back, his friends, class friends, classmates said, you know, the math 
math teacher said, today we are on our own. And, you know, in a kind of a joke. And he said it was completely anti, not anti-Semitic, but retroactively, retroactively, when he hears the same words again, when he sees the same words again on the, in, on, on the street, on, in the, in, on the Der Stürmer newspaper, he interprets back what he actually heard on a completely different occasion and in different contexts and different meaning, and he knows that. But he can't somehow deconstructs his past and from being, uh, you know, an unimportant episode, it becomes uh, indication for, you know, for what the Germans really think about the Jews, that they never really accepted them, that they are not part of us. And he knows it's not true. He knows that it's not true because it meant something completely different at that time when he was a child. But he can't help the omnipotence of the present to somehow, in a way, you know, completely damage his sense of his past. But what you also can sense in his... Uh, you can see it in many... I mean, you can see it all over the... the the, his diaries, that his sense of time, sometimes he even says it, uh, he, sense, he says it like in 1944, he said, I mean, we don't have a sense of time. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm out of time. And, and this is very indicative to many, many diaries and many, the, the feelings that, that they're they out of time. Actually, trauma is in a way out of, outside of time. So I analyzed the, all these in, in, in the section on, on Klemper, I analyzed the, the issue of temporality and time. But what is interesting is that diary writing, all his writing, somehow insert him back into time and temporality, but in a different way. Now, in a different way, I would say I, I would be very... I would be very brief. I in, invite the readers, the listeners, to read the book because it's it, it's a it's a long, um, you know, to it's a long uh, uh, it's a long way to 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 reach this point. But whereas in his previous writings and in in many autobiographical writings, memoirs, and also diaries, people have the present as their essential. Uh, the essential dimension of time uh, uh, in the writings. Here, the present, in a way, doesn't exist because he's, as I said, outside of time. But when he manages to uh, imagine a future that will retroactively read what he wrote, perhaps it will be himself. And he actually very differently from Kaplan, who was annihilated, was killed in, in Treblinka in the summer of 1942. He actually survived the Holocaust. He wasn't, wasn't sent to the camps and, and survived in Dresden. Uh, so he, even he retroactively will read it, and he can imagine it. He, the whole structure of temporality changes, and the future becomes the cornerstone of his identity, not the present. And he's, in a sense, doesn't exist in the present, but retroact- But he will, will have been in a kind of a future perfect sense when he will look at it back uh, retroactively in the future. So the future becomes much more important than the present, and that's a fundamental change that changes 
the whole structure of his identity and autobiographical writings. And this is very interesting because, uh, you know, um, now it sounds theoretical, but I think once you read it and you see how he writes about time, how he writes about uh, identity and time, you see that it's, uh, it, it's something that has to do not only with him, but actually with uh, many other people. Fascinating. Um, so there are all these sort of temporal layers, it seems. Um, I wonder if we only have a few minutes left, but if you could also tell us how Kaplan's diary fits into your overall Okay, I, I will say uh, again, Kaplan, you, you can see also temporality issues of issues of temporality in Kaplan. You can see other issues that I touch in, in the other section. But I focus on two things, and I, I will one of them about uh, his way of because he's obsessed not only about the Jews, what happens to the Jews, he's obsessed to understand the Nazis. And his obsession is very interesting because uh, he doesn't, he, he says, what is it? Is, is, uh, I mean, they, they, on the one hand, they are very structured. They seem to, I mean, we are, we are in a way persecuted by laws. It's not, you know, just spontaneous programs. So on the one hand that, but on the other hand, they're psychotic. They, they feel they are psychotic. So, the relations in the way he perceives the Nazis between being without law and completely lawful or lawless, the, this this is one tension that 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 is very that that dominates his uh, the, his diary, the way he perceives the Nazis. But the other side of it, in in the. the there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of research done about uh, the, the first one was to write about it extensively was uh, Ferenc who was a psychoanalyst a disciple of uh, of Freud afterwards they, I mean they they they, they quarreled and they disconnected they had I mean Freud uh, but but never mind I mean those are very interesting issues that have to do with what we're talking but we don't have time now but he he um, uh, formulated, the, I mean, articulated very eloquently that trau- victims of trauma have a double language. They have two languages. There are always the two languages they speak. They speak the language of the victim, but in a way they also speak the language of the victimizer. And you see in, in Kaplan many times how he sometimes unconsciously and sometimes very consciously and sometimes he says it about the other other people or the community itself how Nazi identity is somehow um, admired sometimes absorbed sometimes um, people identified with some elements of, of even the most harsh ones of Nazism and and in a way, try to imitate them or to be like them, at least I call it the epistemological gray zone in their minds and in their identities and the way they perceive the world. I'll give one example which is, you know, really mind blowing to my, my mind. He uses, after, I think it's after the, he lived in Warsaw. After the Warsaw Ghetto is sealed, and he doesn't move to the Warsaw Ghetto. He lives where the Warsaw Ghetto is located. So he, he writes in his own apartment, and and he's very critical of what's going on in the Jewish community and the solidar- lack of solidarity, 
oftenly is very very often is very critical. But then he says, you know, we are now in the ghetto, and I feel that there's a new concept of solidarity that emerges. And and then he says, we learn it from the annihilator, from the Nazis themselves. We adopted their sense of Volksgemeinschaft. Now, we adopted this sense, and this is, we adopted this sense of Volksgemeinschaft, so we, are, we learned from them how to be uh, in solidarity w- with one another. And then you say, Volksgemeinschaft? I mean, it doesn't have any other words to, 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 uh, to describe this phenomenon from the Jewish tradition. We know that Volksgemeinschaft, and he knew it as well, Volksgemeinschaft is the most, I would say, obscene, one of the most obscene concepts in Nazi ideology, uh, that one of the most fundamental concepts to establish that a, a, a racial community in a racial state. That, um, a, a, and he uses it. And once you go deeper into his writings and his former writings, you see it's no coincidence. In a way, it's and, and in his case, it's not always like that. It's not only on the psychological level, but also on cultural level, because in a way he admired some of the sources of the Nazis themselves, but not the Nazis, but the sources, the intellectual sources. He was a social Darwinist, as many other intellectuals or, or, or scholars or uh, Jews and non-Jews before the war. So he drew on the same, he admired also Nietzsche in a way. So he drew on some of the the the, the intellectual texts that also the Nazis drew on them. And, and then when they come, he's in kind of a, a, a cognitive dissonance that, ah, wait, I believe in that, but I see what come, came out of it. And you can see this cognitive dissonance on the one hand, in a way, you know, he hates the Nazis, of course, and he condemns them, and, and not only on a personal level, on ideological, and on, on, a, on every level. As I said, he thinks he's the, the psychos. I mean, it's a political psychopathic phenomenon. But on other level, and very explicitly, you can see that, in a way, he admires them psychologically, as I said, like, like, like Ferenczi said, he, 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 he imitates in, or, or he identifies with some elements of them, but also culturally, because some of the concepts they bring, he identified with some of the sources before the war, and now he, when they come as very vicious um, continuation or, or brand of, of these concepts, implying them in political life, he's a kind of in a kind of um, ambivalency, although not always admitted ambivalence, but you can see this ambivalency, how to read and 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 why and and, and but but indication that I'm writing. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's no way to other. I mean, it's so explicit in his diary. He always he also says about the Jewish community, and I bring it in my book. They, we, we lost. I mean, we he he portrays this. Discrepancy or this paradox uh, as, as, as as embedded in, Jew, in the Jewish mentality in Warsaw. It says, on the one hand, we say the Nazis are the enemies, but on the other hand, we ourselves somehow adopted his theory, and this is how we behave to each other. He says it himself, so it's explicit all over his diary. But what is interesting that 
when it was translated, the diary was translated, it was written in Hebrew, it was translated to English, you see that the editor understood how sensitive this um, term is, and as he did in many other cases, he censored it. So you, saw, you don't see the concept of Volksgemeinschaft in the Eng English edition. In every place that he shows explicitly his admiration to the, the or, or, or orientation or imitation or some kind affiliation to some aspects of, of, of the other side, you see that almost systematically the English edition omits it, mistranslates it, edits it, edit, edits it because it's so sensitive. But you, but, but you, you, you can, but there's no way to avoid it in his diary. So you see that in such traumatic other layers, I mean, his own voice is also in his own very Jewish victimized voice, you already have, in a way, in some instances, the annihilator speaking as well. And this is a very interesting cultural uh, phenomena uh, that typical to traumatic uh, scenarios or traumatic historical scenes. Right, and that's sort of, I guess, where the psychological research or the psychological elements of your approach also come in. Um, yeah, but as I said, it's not only psychological, it's also cultural, because he is very much influenced by texts like he, he admires Spencer, who is a social Darwinist, and all social Darwinists, including the Nazis, drew on him, upon him. So he, no, I mean, he drew on Nietzsche, on, on the ethics, or, uh, on, on the uh, uh, theory of the ethics of, of, of before the war, even before the war. So it's not only, it is psychological, but it's not only psychological, it's also cultural. And, you know, people before the, people use the concept of race before the Nazis. Now we are not, I mean, we saw how how dangerous this is and, and the concept of race became taboo. But many people use the concept of race, or, I mean, science, scientists, I mean, it was very prevailing. And he also used the concept of race. Now, what happens to him on the cultural level when he uses, I mean, he draws, his whole intellectual world is, he drew, he draws on texts that afterwards also affiliated to Nazism. He didn't know this in advance, but his whole world, his intellectual and spiritual world, drawn these texts, and now he sees what comes out to them. Up, And so he's, he's a kind of um, ambivalency towards the Nazi phenomenon from a cultural and intellectual world, uh, perspective. So it's not only psychological. It's also has, it also has to do with um, his intellectual affiliation. That's fascinating. It also sounds like a completely different experience reading the diary in its original Hebrew versus reading the translation. I can say that the, the yeah, it's, um, the, um, the, uh, this specific diary, yeah, I mean, the language, as I say, is very important, and you see all the layers of diary, all, all the layers, but it's also, as I said, much more accurate than the um, English edition, which is inaccurate and censored and edited um, intentionally. You can see this. There's no way. So it's not accurate. You don't really even read the translated, but you read the translated and edited um, version. Um, and also it lacks uh, one year that, or half a year that 
uh, was not published, not in Hebrew and not in English, but it exists in the in the archive, and I, and I relate to all those uh, sections of the diary as well because they are very important. Well, uh, Amos, we've taken up quite a bit of your time, but this has been a fascinating discussion. I wonder if before we end, you could tell us a little bit about what's next on the docket. What are you What are you working on next? Uh, actually, one of the project to uh, I will uh, you know first of all I'm the chair of the department, so mostly I do administration, as you know. But uh, but uh, the two main projects, one is um, a continuation of it. Uh, uh, but on if I, as I said, I put th- this project is try to understand the experience through in the individual. Now I'm I'm writing a book, uh, already published some some parts of it uh, on what I call cultural history of the Jews in the Warsaw and the Warsaw Ghetto. There I. It's draw not on literary and, and psychoanalytic theory, but much more on social psychology and 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 anthropology to understand the experience again, to conceptualize and explain what was it like to be under you know on such a, a, on such difficult times. Uh, for example, I you know I I investigate the issue of rumors, which changes the whole from the, the 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 whole community which was based on was very literate in a sense that everything was much was going on through text people wrote in the community and the, and the knowledge was created through text and all of a sudden there are almost no text public texts and every i mean everything is communicated through rumors so this changes the whole character of, of, of actually the community and 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 the mindset of people and, and the, the, the basic understanding of what knowledge is. And this is fascinating. You One of the chapters deals with coffee houses. There were more than 100 coffee houses, coffee places in the, in, 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 in Warsaw Ghetto. Uh, we always think of, you know, poor people, but it was very stratified in, in terms of uh, classes. But people, I mean, there, as I said, more than 100 uh, uh, coffee places, people sat in, in, in or, or cafes, I would say, or restaurants. Now, some of them were very, very fancy. But again, this very, as you know, from Habermas that and other, this inofficial or informal institution of the cafe or the coffee house, or, which is extremely important in modern history, changed its role in the ghetto. So that's another aspect of sexuality, about the sh- feelings of shame, a whole you know, a spectrum of issues that I draw on, but this time I focus on, but this time not on the individual, but on really about the, the, the more about the, the, you know, as I said, social psychology and, and cultural anthropology, histi- cultural history or uh, 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 anthropological history. This is one, one project that I hope to finish uh, next year. And the other, which is completely different, but in a way it is also connected in various ways, because my other part of, of the work, my, I, I dedicate to issues of uh, memory, political memory, uh, global memory after the war. And here I do, I mean, I did a book uh, and ed- co-edited a book with a colleague and friend whose name is Bashir Bashir in Hebrew. Now we're doing a different, another one uh, in English. I hope it come out next year, um, about trying to, um, in a way, 
think of the, uh, the Israeli, the Jewish catastrophe and the Palestinian catastrophe, uh, the Nakba, in a way together, not uh, comparing them and not banalizing them or not saying that they're the same scale or same nature, of course, very different, but to try to conceptualize and facilitate a framework, historical and cultural and conceptual framework in which they can be dealt together because uh, I think uh, historically they are very much connected. The Holocaust ended in 45 and uh, the Nakba and the establishment of the State of Israel in 1948, so they are very much connected. They are connected in, to the global history of, 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 of violence and, and they are also connected because people remember them uh, in a way together, even if they try to suppress or deny one side of it. So we're trying to, so we co-edited two books and, and this is something very important, I think, and I, something very challenging intellectually that we do also politically and we get a lot of criticisms, you can imagine, uh, from both sides on, on, on this project. So this is the other project that I'm very much into. Sounds fascinating. I hope to have the opportunity to have both of you back on the show, maybe to talk about it once that's finished. Um, well, Amos, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. This has been an excellent discussion. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me uh, to and uh, have a chance to, you know, to talk about it and, uh, uh, and, and, and elaborate. You know, we had enough time to, to say something substantial, not only in slogans. So I really appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. All right, that was Amos Goldberg talking about his new book, Trauma in the First Person, Diary Writing in the Holocaust. And you can find that now. I highly encourage you to pick up a copy. Thanks for listening to New Books in Jewish Studies. Bye.